Chicago's Afternoon News, 720 WGN. There were so many questions after what happened in Highland Park, like, how did he get a gun? Why did he have a gun? Illinois State Police responded to those questions, and that's the question everybody wants to know. This is Chicago's Afternoon News. Dr. Michael Anitas, should Bobby Cremo have had a FOID card? So, no, I think that there was plenty of evidence from his behavior and his own commentary in the past that indicated, no, he absolutely should not have been able to access a firearm through legal means. Dr. Michael Anitas is the executive director of Rutgers Gun Violence Research Center. So you look into stories like this. Exactly what do you do at the center? Like, what is the purpose of it? Sure. The purpose of our center is sort of twofold. We, on the one hand, we conduct and fund Uh, research on gun violence. In fact, we have a call for proposals out right now to fund gun violence research. And on the other side, we try to communicate as broadly as possible about data-driven solutions to gun violence. So communities are sort of empowered to pursue actions that can help them and have data behind them. So a lot of people are asking, how did this kid pass through the Illinois gun permitting system that is intended to stop him? And it's not the first time the shooter at Henry Pratt in Aurora, Illinois, something that I was close to because I happened to be in lockdown nearby, and my cousin's husband is the CEO of that company. He also shouldn't have had a gun. Are you aware of that story? I'm aware of them in varying degrees, some more than others. Okay, so this is how it reads in a story on the Chicago Tribune. When he opened fire on that manufacturing plant, Five people were killed, and then after it happens, they're like, oh, there's all these red flags. You know, he had a felony background that was not caught in his FOID background check. His gun permit eventually was revoked, but nobody made sure that he surrendered surrendered his firearm. And when we had um, Cook County Sheriff Tom Dardon a couple months ago before any of, of the Highland Park stuff happened, he said that they revoke void cards all the time, but it doesn't mean the people necessarily give up their weapons. Yeah, and that's obviously a problem. Uh, and, and when you think about legislation like extremist protection orders, they're only as useful as they are implemented, right? And so obviously on the front end, you need people when they see those red flags to pursue options to to have uh, uh, permits uh, voided and, and firearms taken back. And then on the back end, you need people to actually uh, follow through on that legislation. So simply not being legally accessed, uh, able to access more firearms does not change the fact that there are already firearms in the home. So obviously, any legislation that does not result in the actual confiscation of firearms from those deemed at imminent risk to self and other isn't really going to do much. So, Doctor, you think there's going to be any change? I mean, we talked to Kitty Brantner earlier today. She formed a group. They already went to D.C. Um, They're being heard. Everybody is hopeful that there will be change, that nothing like this happens again. But this is how you spend your life, researching this and and trying to affect change. Do, Do we have hope that something will change? Sure. So I, I like the idea of hope for change more than this will never happen again. So hope for change, absolutely. I think that as modest as that bipartisan bill that passed was, think of the rule of inertia. It took a lot of energy to get that first step. That leaves me hopeful that we can progress further, even though obviously that bill didn't go far enough. 
but at the same time, we, you know, upper estimates are that we already have 400 million firearms in homes across the country as is, right? And where there are more firearms, there's more firearm injury and death. And where there's group gatherings, there's opportunity for these mass tragedies to happen. And so as long as that's our reality, these things will continue to happen. And that's not me saying overturn the Second Amendment. That's me saying until we can progress on people storing firearms safely, implementing and actually utilizing laws like extremist protection orders, uh, we'll, we'll continue to be sort of stagnant and stuck in this sort of cycle of tragedies. And storing them properly is, is the first thing to do because we often see children who shoot another child or they're shot themselves or people die by suicide because it's convenient. There's a gun that's accessible to them. That's something that you work on as well? Absolutely. And in fact, firearm suicide prevention is really at the forefront of the work that we do. And without question, the degree to which a firearm is more readily accessible, the risk for suicide for everybody in that home goes up dramatically. And so safe storage, which is completely consistent with anybody's definition of the Second Amendment, really prevents all sorts of outcomes, suicide being the leading one and also the leading cause of gun death in this country. But it also prevents theft. It prevents domestic violence from being lethal. And it protects, like you said, children from stumbling upon a firearm and unintentionally shooting themselves or someone else. And it seems like there's a couple of those stories in this city at least every other month. And um, it's frightening. Uh, One included a little kid who had a gun in his backpack and went off in a in a school setting in the Chicago area, and it grazed another child. And, it, and it, the mom's like, well, it was under my bed. I didn't know he picked it up under the bed, put it in his backpack, and took it to school. And that's so preventable. It, it really is. And there's some terrifying research out there that shows just how dramatically parents underestimate how knowledgeable their children are about where firearms are stored, and also, more frighteningly, whether or not they've already accessed and played with those firearms. Parents are really just not... It's not that their children aren't smart, it's that they're children, right? They understand risk to a degree, but they're kids, and they they are curious. And accidents happen when firearms are stored in sort of a negligent, unsafe manner. Thank you so much for joining us on Chicago's Afternoon News. uh, you, You have some good points there, and hopefully people will hear them. Thank you.